This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Welcome to the show! Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy! This is, count them, our 20th episode. And you know what, Ryan? Our special guest, Ryan Brookhart, sitting on the other, ta- the other side of the table. I think you're here the for table. our 10th episode. I think you're here for all the monumental ones. We did Terminator 2. Now that I remember, I think that was the 10th episode. That was? It was. And well, this is so funny. special. You're a very us. special See, I thought guest. you just said I was on 10 episodes, and I'm thinking, wow, those little mini-strokes really uh, <laughs> yeah. take a toll. Ryan Brookhart has not been on 10 episodes. He has been on two, and this will be a very special episode of Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network devoted to talking movies and all things movie-related. I am your host, Ben Bateman, joined today by my excellently dressed co-host with, this time, a purple shirt matching a purple tie. Look, it's not a big deal. I just have a lot of cool shirts and ties, man. Uh, yes. I cannot wait to talk about this movie. I hadn't seen this movie in probably 15 years. I think I'd only seen it once. This movie is amazing. Did you, Absolutely amazing. Did you go into the store and say, can I get pastel shirts and matching ties? I just need one pastel <laughs> shirt and one tie that matches. And I need that 20 times. We have a four for one mm. special. <laughs> JC Penny, man. Whew. Uh, this is, is this actually, a clip on? No, it's not. Don't, don't touch that. <laughs> it's a clip on. Are you sure? Uh, this is actually going to be talking aliens. James, Cam- James Cameron's epic, epic sequel to the 1979 original scariest movie of all time, directed by Ridley Scott. Yeah. This is an incredible movie, and I am unbelievably excited to talk about and it. And Ryan here is like an ex- This is one of his favorite movies of all time. He's got the life-size alien statue there, as you can is it see. Up? Is it up? Uh, this, I think we're showing the picture of you with your life-size alien, which is <laughs> yeah. explosion, yeah. yes. Uh, you you actually have look how goofy and fanboy like I look. Right? <laughs> in the time I've known you, As how many in real life? How what? many life size characters have you had in your home? Batman. <laughs> See another weird an question. alien. Uh, Predator. Do you have a life size Predator at one point? I Do you have Terminator? Yes. Predator. A Terminator. Yeah. I have a Terminator currently. Yeah. Yeah. I think you showed that last time. Yeah, right? you did. That's right. impressive. I don't think I know anyone else that has that many life size <laughs> comic right. book and sci fi characters in their home. Right. Which tells you what. <laughs> That you have the, the never mind. All right, let's. I'm not going to do the same joke. Right. Let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, so, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy, and we are going to be breaking down this movie, which falls into four categories that all of our movies, for the most part, try to stick to. And those four rules that qualify the movies are: number one, the hero always plays by their own rules, hundred percent. Ripley. The hero and the villain are always the smartest people and or beings or aliens in this case in the room. Definitely the smartest. Yes. Uh, they're, the movie is driven by a police, military, or political figure. They're military. Yeah, they are. They're all military. They're Marines. But she's not. She's not. She's a consultant. 
But she becomes a soldier. Yes, she does. And lastly, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion, which this movie absolutely has in spades. Uh, We are going to share our thesis statements in just a minute, but before we do, I want to let you guys know about a couple of things. Do you remember a few months ago when we were talking about those, uh, those dance battle castings that were going on? started with Maria Menounos and her friends, Julianne and Derek Huff, and they now have a show premiering very soon on ABC, Monday, September 4th, right after Dancing with the Stars, Dance Battle America, set your DVRs now. Uh, eight families have been chosen to come to LA and battle. Make sure you check it out. It's going to be epic. Secondly, I want you guys to check out the other Popcorn Talk shows. There is a sister show of ours called Anatomy of a Movie that happens every Friday, Anatomy of a Movie. They break down basically some of the week's hottest films things that happen Mm -hmm. uh great people it's similar to our show not segments but a little bit more just in-depth critical analysis of the movie we're Um, uh, also in the process of getting a collaborative episode between us and guilty movie pleasures yeah we're trying to trying to get those guys on board to tweet those guys if you uh if you want to see that happen i suggested the the cult classic point blank uh (laughs) which is a horrible film but it would be kind of on both on both fronts yeah and then the last thing i want to mention guys is we have been plugging itunes for a while here so we, we ask you to review us and rate us um to help us stay high in the ratings so our show does well but in the process of doing that, we ordered Action Movie Anatomy mugs, and we promised you guys that we would give a mug away, one a week, in a random drawing, once we had 10 reviews on iTunes. And you we guys have 11. got us 11. So the mugs aren't here yet, as you can see. They'll be here very soon. They take a little while. We're going to announce the first random winner at the end of the episode today. So after recast, stay tuned, and we will shout you out. Um, the next deal is, once we get to 30 reviews, we're going to start giving uh, two out of every three weeks. So if you guys can get us 19 more reviews, we're going we're gonna to almost double. All right. <laughs> almost double the number of mugs. So <laughs> let's get into the show, guys. This today is Aliens. We're going to show the trailer. Uh, it's a very weird trailer. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's old. It's yeah, 30 years old. But it's not old and weird like the old ones are weird. Right. Where it's like, in a world. It's not like yeah, that. Yeah. It's like, there's like no narration. All right. Let's see it. It's just scenes. Let's cue it up. Um... I actually didn't watch the trailer. It's it's very strange. Like like Rambo was. I remember like, it, but I, yeah. You know, Rambo's like he's a one man army, like or like that kind of thing. And yeah. this is just. Right. Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. All right, people, on the ready line. It's like one of these trailers. It's just like scene, yeah, scene, yeah. scene, scene, scene. It's crazy how like that just they figured out that it just didn't really work. Yeah. That way. There has to be narration, there has to be like tension building, you need outside music. I mean trailer making nowadays is like an art. It is an art form, absolutely. I watched the Interstellar trailer number two probably like fifty times before I watched the movie. Oh at least. Yeah. We watched it together probably fifty times. <laughs> well you know the, the original alien trailer for the first one. For the first film had no narration and no dialogue. Huh. And um, this has a lot more dialogue, but it sort of plays off the same idea. Right. I mean, it's just a lot of the iconic imagery. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, this trailer ends with the eye sort of opening up a little bit, like an egg sack. The egg scene is just, just awesome. I think it's my favorite part of the whole movie. It's pretty sweet. Which part? The yeah, egg the yeah, chamber. Egg oh, the egg chamber? chamber? Yeah. yeah. Cut the power. Cut the power. But we'll talk about that stuff later. Now, how can they cut the power? They're animals. They're aliens. They're geniuses. They don't show the shot in the trailer, though, where the alien is running down the... Um, 
the sh- like Corridor. the ventilation shaft, yeah. and it's like the red behind it, right. which is one of the most cinematic shots in the whole trail in the whole movie. I think there's a lot. I mean, this movie. Is yeah, shot there it goes. See, sort yeah. of splits open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. love it. This yeah. time it's war. So there's a little voice. Yeah, little very, right at, the at the very end. Yeah, it's right. just interesting that it's like they don't even and they don't even mention like from the from the person that brought you Terminator. No, like no, because pe- they shot this movie in the UK and this movie hadn't even been released yet. And we'll get into that when we get into production yeah. notes. People in the UK and everyone that was working on the film over there thought that James Cameron was basically an idiot and didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, 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 because they hadn't, they seen, hadn't Terminator. seen Terminator. And he yet. was trying to get him to watch it, right? He was young, and they are like, taking over for Ridley Scott. It was just... Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into that later, but yeah. it's very interesting. So, uh, what we still do to start the show out, guys, and this is interactive, so if you have a, a thesis statement uh, you want to share with us, please let us know. Uh, tweet at us, or you can, you can in the comments, let us know as well. But what we do is we, we share a bold statement, sort of uh, like a, maybe like even like hyperbole sometimes, about this movie that we all feel, it's not a and real word. Uh, a, hy- a hyperbole. Hyperbole. Did I say it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we try to share our thought, and we kind of defend it throughout the course of the show. And so I'm going to start today with you, sir, our guest, Mr. Ryan Brookhart. Who, what did you say that I was? Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you going to say? I was going to say you had one of the better thesis statements that we've had on the show so far last time. Oh yeah, you did. And actually, it would probably work the same for this movie, which oh. was that all of Cameron's films are love stories, right? It, it, to, to one degree or another. It doesn't have to be a romantic love story, but right. it is a love story. There's a key element to that. Yeah, it's between and her and... This you. is a tricky one because um, Aliens is actually probably my favorite overall movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're talking about Aliens, it's hard not to talk about Aliens as two different films. Okay. Because there's the director's cut and right. there's the theatrical cut. Now I loved the movie uh, when it came out as a theatrical film. In fact, it was the it was one of the few films where I halfway through the film I thought, well, there's a moment I'm going to run out and buy a ticket to see it again. So I literally I watched it twice in a row. The first time, same day. It was at the um, that's amazing. I think, of the, I think it was the old <laughs> Egyptian theater, and they had brought in props from Aliens. Yeah, and it was out in the lobby. I was there for that. that that's why I was like all about this movie. Yeah. But anyway, um, so I saw the film, loved it, saw it again, and then years later, it came out on Laserdisc, and James Cameron was a huge proponent, proponent yeah. of, of Laserdisc technology. Um, so it came as a sort of thick box, right? and it had like one, two, I think like four discs on it, plus some making of stuff. And it was the definitive version of the film, and I thought, well, what does that mean? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. So I bought it, put it in, and it was kind of a revelation because suddenly it really is exactly what we're talking about it was truly a love story you know she had lost her daughter mm-hmm. and one of the big payoffs at the end of the film is uh she actually grabs ripley at the end and says mommy right i was like did she just call her mommy and he's like i think so she does now yeah. in, the, in the theatrical cut it happens and you go well okay, yeah that makes sense she lost her parents yeah. which we never see and this whole thing well in the director's cut we see her pre- you know, alien infestation mm-hmm. with her parents and her and her uh, young uh, uh, her brother. Brother, I was going to say, son. It was actually her real brother in real life. Is that so? Yeah. Okay. And um, and so yeah, I mean, when we have all that information, plus some additional information, plus the fact that Hicks clearly does like her and yeah. she likes mm-hmm. him. By the end, we have this sort of family unit where Hicks is alive. Uh, you know, she has a daughter. Yep. Um, they even have this sort of like surrogate half, you know, split open uncle, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. and Absolutely. they're sailing off into the universe and um, it all gets 
fucked in the third film, which I, I think is a terrible movie, but that's another story. Yeah, it's a bad movie. For many movie. reasons. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, if there's, a, is, if there's a key thesis statement to this film, it's that it is clearly Cameron's, uh, I think, most passionate film. It may not be his most technically proficient film right. in some respects, but it, it is someone out to prove something. What came before Aliens? Terminator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Before that, you've got Piranha 2, The yeah. Spawning. You know? <laughs> yeah. So a, you can't... You, you wouldn't go, oh, Piranha 2, The Spawning. Man, that's that guy's going to direct a sequel to Alien. Right. You know, I'm going to piggyback on that with my thesis statement and say that, uh, to me, this is James Cameron's greatest film. To me. It's the most enjoyable. It hasn't aged. Uh, you've got... The first ever female action star to get nominated for a leading role. Yeah. You know, it's won five Oscars. It was nominated for seven, I believe. Did it win five? I thought it won, I thought or it no, it won two. Maybe two, right? Yes. Sound so. editing and visual effects, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. And um, it just... And also, I had two statements that I was gonna um, that I was gonna make. But the other one is that if this movie was made ten years later, it wouldn't be as good as it is now. Yeah, it's and really it's because they did models. They built everything by hand. The aliens, the ships. It was all scaled down. There was when they showed uh, a screening of it to a Fox exec. He was like, "What are you guys doing? You guys have wasted all this fucking money on these huge ships and these huge yeah. buildings." And they're like. No man, those are models. Yeah, and, and they, they they were talking about how that was like a great moment for all the guys on the crew. Like, yeah, we fooled the execs. Like, they, they didn't even know what was going on. Right. So, but for me, you watch this movie; it's thirty years old. It's still scary. Yeah, it's still intense. Things look real. The sound's still great. There's very few moments when you're like, okay, the graphics are are not up yeah. to par. But to have a movie, and, and he does this with T two as well. But to have a movie that's thirty years old and still be this good, yeah. It, for me, it's just this is it. This is Cameron's peak for me. So I, my sentiment is shared at 100%, and my thesis statement would be that James Cameron is the most ageless blockbuster director ever to live, mm-hmm. and it's because of what you're talking about. Mm. It's because you watch a film from 1986, a film that cost only $18 million to make, right. and we'll get to that. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Mm. By contrast, within a year of this film, Rambo First Blood Part Two came out. That movie cost $25 million to make. We right. did that. We did that plug for an episode. You guys want to check that out. JT and Finstock. Great guys. Uh, we did that episode on the show, and we were we sort of marveled at how great the action sequences were for a 30-year-old film. Right. It was like, this is amazing for being 30 years old. Not like this is amazing, but just it holds up pretty well. When you figure that this was made within a year of that, and I don't watch this movie and think this holds up pretty well, I literally have to say to myself, okay, picture Prometheus... Think about what Prometheus looks like. Right. And then if I think about what Prometheus looks like, I can start to, like, deconstruct what I'm watching. Right, like ship ship planning, massive planets, yeah. like, things like that. But aside from, if unless I actually put my focus on something that's more evolved, I don't even really notice. I'm watching this movie, and I'm just, from the opening sequence, where, where uh, you know, the, 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 like, whatever that is, the, like, drone comes in and shines the light across and scans, yeah, it's like, right. scans the body, and you see Ripley... Like, just the smoke and the lighting, it's just amazing. Well, there's a, you know, that's the thing with Cameron, is there's a real economy to how he shoots things. He knows what to shoot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there, there's not any fat, really, in terms of where the camera goes and how he's able to trick, you know, the, the, the camera into seeing certain things. Like that opening, uh, I don't know you call it, not hyperbolic chamber, but the... Stasis. Uh, the stasis chamber. chamber. Yeah. So, the sequence like that, you see this long procession of mm-hmm. these... You know, opening chambers. Well, there's only half of those there. 
Right. Yeah. The other half, it's just a mirror. Yeah, yeah. That makes could, it, it, but there's tons and tons of tricks like, like that. Like $4,200 to make each one of those. And they're like, we can't make 12 of these. This is absurd. 4200 to make each one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. One of my, I think when I said this yesterday when, I was, when we were watching this, because, I, again, I hadn't seen this movie in so long. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. The most dated thing in this opening sequence is Sigourney Weaver's hair. Yeah. Everything else is perfect. <laughs> like, everything else, you could you could watch it in a movie now, and wow. it would be perfect. And then the next character you see is it's Paul Reiser's hair, exactly. and you're like, oh, man, yeah, yep, this is an 80s this is movie. The 80s, yeah. <laughs> but I know, and I think it was sort of like, the, you know, it's a retro style. Yeah. It was coming yeah. back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, wow, so our thesis statements are all very much the same thing, basically, in, or very similar. It's, yeah. James Cameron is just yeah. the best. Yeah. Alien I was going to say, we got to hold up your egg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, I think beautiful. of the movies we've done on this show so far, uh, you would only be able to compare it to Terminator 2 and Gladiator in terms of critical acclaim right. and its place in history. And I don't think either one is sort of as well loved by by all. This is like, maybe. I mean, it's debatable. Those, those are the three. And this is at least a movie that's on the same level as something that won Best Picture yeah. and one of the most iconic movies in the history. Now, of we action. had this conversation about like yeah. if an action movie, can it win Best Picture? This movie could have won Best Picture. Yeah. I really feel like it could Totally. I mean, it wasn't nominated. Didn't win. Yeah. Obviously. But I feel like it definitely could have at the time. Yeah. It's... I mean, we'll we'll talk about what category we all think it fits into but later in the show. But yeah, right. absolutely. I mean, it, there's not a yeah. whole lot of parts of this movie where you're watching and you're like, well, this is really cool, but it's an action movie. Right. It's not really... No. No. I mean, I guess maybe maybe uh, maybe Bill Paxton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's, he is the... Game over, man. Game <laughs> over. Comic relief. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but he's committed to that. Yeah, oh, he kills it. Hundred percent. Put so, her in charge, then. <laughs> Game over, man. Uh, let's. Uh, what are we gonna do now? <laughs> let's talk about. Let's, let's talk about fist bump moments. So, uh, guys, if you've never watched this show or you've never listened to this show before, the fist bump moment for us is not just the thing that is coolest. It's. Um, it's really a personal thing. So if you're watching a movie and you're by yourself and something happens, like I drop my pen and something happens and you. <sighs> You literally just have this moment inside where you're like, oh, yes. Uh, yeah, and you're yeah. looking around and you want to just look at one of your friends and have them be like, that's so great. <laughs> you just have this fist pump. It could be anything. It could be the score. It could be a look that one character gives. Anything. Uh, and we like to kind of share that because it just, I don't know, identifies one of the things that we find most. I mean, that's a very, very important part of an action movie. 100%. It's that feeling you get inside where you're like, yes, like, I could do this. I want to yeah. be there, you know? And all great action movies, all great movies, but great action movies have this moment to a T. Ryan and I were talking before we got here about the movie Tombstone, and I was saying how that movie is not just a cult classic, but that movie is, it like defines awesome. Yeah. And I was like, our show deals in awesome. That's yes. what this show's about. The more awesome a movie is, the more it qualifies to be on this show. It's not, the, not about quality. No. Awesome is everything. And I think the fist pump moment is basically the most awesome moment. Was that like you. a working title for our show? All about awesome? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all about, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fist pump moment, I think, yeah. is a porn site. Fist pump? <laughs> yeah. uh, so Kids, what, go Google it. No. Uh, and oh, let no. us know your fist pump moment as well, like whatever the, uh, the best moment is for you. What, uh, what do you guys got? Uh, let's start with you, man. Yeah, let's start with you. Yeah, All right. Drink, yeah. Um, I think my fist pump moment in this film is where Ripley, spoiler alert, I'm hoping you've seen this movie, guys. Ripley is, uh, <laughs> you haven't. <laughs> she's just rescued Newt and she's, she's actually, she's leaving and she's going through like the alien, the, the queen's like nest with the eggs mm -hmm. and she kind of stops and there's this moment of, of hesitation as she's turning and it's like an oh my god moment. Like the wind is kind of blowing. Yeah. And then it pulls back and you see the floor is just lined with these eggs. 
and she glances over and she sees the egg being laid oh, from right. the queen and it, as it moves across and you see the queen and, and her sack and it oh. and the head emerges just that whole entire sequence it's this combination of like it's grotesque <sighs> yeah. it's terrifying it's disgusting it's it looks incredible and you know this is like what you feel is going to be the climax it hasn't yeah she's got a flamethrower and yeah. a kid mm-hmm. on her shoulder and you're like you're like, she's going to have to deal with that. Right. And you see all the eggs. You're like, these things are going to hatch any second. She looks over. She sees the two hunter aliens, and they're mm-hmm. on the Don't side. they back off? Yeah. Once they realize that she's got, got this weapon in yeah. front of the queen. God, oh, it's cool. That's so good. That's my fist moment. That's I just, why I went with you first, is because I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Mm. And it's so good. But honestly, my fist pump moment, and it gave me chills, uh, was when she comes out in the front loader suit. Oh, yeah. And she says... Get away from her, you bitch. You know, just yeah. like that moment of like, yes, it's about two to happen. queens of the movie are going to go head to head right now. Yeah. And you know she's going to win. Yeah. But how? And, right? You're just, yeah. Because the dude just got ripped apart. Everything seems like it's just going down. Yeah. She's hiding in the back. She's about to get the girl. And then the door opens. The yeah. line's delivered. And you're just, I got chills. There's, I got chills. That's which is the definition of a fist bump. Absolutely. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, obviously that scene, and, and if you, you know, I'm older than you guys, so seeing it in a theater for the first time. I envy you. It was, yeah. it was electric. It was just, I don't even know if we heard anything after that moment. It was just this, like, oh my God. And you could tell it was a practical effect. This woman is in this practical power loader effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going well, that's real. I mean, what? And then the queen alien coming in, and it's obviously real, and they're interacting. So that moment, and everyone's literally, I think, you know, yeah, cheering, yeah. Um, you know, Aliens is a tough film to say what's the fist pump because there are so many yeah, of yeah, them. It's right. incredible. Um, you know, when uh, the, I'll tell you another film, moment in the film that that I remember in the theater. When Paul Reiser goes, this is an emotional moment for all of us, and it's the moment where she has just taken over the the APU, yeah. and she's driven it through the wall of alien stuff, and rescued the Marines. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just like screaming at that moment because it's an emotional moment for the entire audience. Yeah, yeah and you look at it, and you go, was Cameron that much of a genius that he could figure out that the audience would be screaming? And yeah, there's beats in the film throughout that seem to be a call and response. And that is such a interesting experience to feel like. It's something that Tony Scott was really good at doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something Cameron's a, a genius at doing. He somehow just knows it. Um, and other people like Spielberg, obviously yeah. really good at that. But yeah, those would be two moments that I feel are. Like I love it. When, <laughs> this is just a fun trivia fact. So the, uh, the set design guys, they decided to mess with Sigourney Weaver in this. <laughs> And in the front loading suit, she's got a guy behind her. Power loader. John, or power loader, excuse me. Front loading suit. I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm wearing a front loading suit. <laughs> his name's John, and he's, he's, he's the guy that's moving the, the mechanism behind her. And they put a little, like, inflatable balloon in between him and her. And they shot this scene for, like, two or three hours, she was saying. And the whole time, she thought the dude behind her was aroused. Because they kept blowing it up in certain <laughs> moments. And she'd feel it. She'd be like, like, the guy, what the fuck is going on back there? And Johnny's like, what do you, what do you mean? What, you know? he's, like, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And finally, after, like, two hours, they finally tell her what's going on. So it's hilarious that in that moment of how intense she looks and everything that's going on, the whole time, she's like, what is happening to yeah. me right now? No, Being harassed incredible. by this guy. It's also amazing that that suit is... And it's just once again, it's like we we watched Edge of Tomorrow recently on the show, and 
you know, those are these incredible exosuits and they look yeah. amazing, but mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're people in giant suits. I mean, this is like a huge, it, there's two people in yeah, there. Yeah, you can't, you have to have two it's people. It's so too cool. Much. I yeah. just, everything about, everything about this movie in, in regards to what Cameron did and how like he technically is like probably the most fascinating part. And Absolutely. I'll be, when we get to production notes, we can talk about some of that stuff and just share some of the stories, but I, I kind of want to get us into star profiles here yeah. before we, uh, we talk about it. So I would say the two stars of the film are Sigourney Weaver and Michael Bean, mm-hmm. uh, Hicks and Ripley. I mean, unless you say the aliens are a star, but we're not going to be able to break down their careers. So let's what talk. What movie was the alien in before this? But, um, there was another from 1979. Well, the Queen had oh, a talk this show. Is, this is a sequel. Oh, really? There's an S. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. That was Queen Latifah. I <laughs> uh, so Sigourney Weaver. Three previous films, Ghostbusters, 1984, Deal of the Century, 1983, and The Year of Living Dangerously, 1982. Peter Weir, good movie. Never seen Deal of the Century, and Ghostbusters is a classic. She's on her way up. Yeah. I mean, I guess... Ryan, like, do you like? Obviously, we we regard Alien from 1979 in a very historical, like, appreciative way, mm-hmm. and it's a great movie. And but it's a piece of history for me because it's ten years before I was born, almost. Yeah. Okay. Do you, what was it like for you when Aliens came out? Like, how many times did you seen Alien? How much of a cultural phenomenon was that film? Uh, Alien was a cultural phenomenon. Um, Alien redefined the way we see aliens in movies. And that's, that is a bold statement, but it's absolutely true. If you look at movies prior to Alien, um, and you look at the aesthetic of science fiction movies prior to Alien, it's very different. And Alien changed the way we, we look at the future in many respects. Um, they, they, you know, a lot of the people that worked on uh, Star Wars you know, were ported over to work on Alien. And so there's that lived-in... Uh, you know, aesthetic, which was really, really key to the, you know, the Nostromo and, you know, the refineries floating through space and all that stuff. But it, um, you know, in, in that sense, a lot of that visual heavy lifting was ported over into Aliens. So, so there's that, that whole element of it. And of course, Cameron put his mark on it. He changed the aesthetic of the alien, taking the dome off and, right. and doing certain things uh, to, you know, give it its own look. And yeah. Uh, you know, I would say that the the alien eggs are far more believable in the in Alien. They're more yeah. organic, and in in Aliens, they become a little more look like Top Ramen was thrown in there instead of like the slimy sure. element to it. You'll know what I'm talking about if you've seen the film a few times. But um, Alien itself was a was a was a watermark. So with Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver talking about her career and where mm-hmm. she was, obviously, I mean. The only reason I know you're living dangerously is because I watched Peter Weir movies because my dad loved him so much. Right. But Deal of the Century is a movie that at '83 I just don't know anything about. Uh, Bill Freakin directed it. It was supposed to be a you know a comedy. He directed The Exorcist. Yep. You don't think of Live Bill Freakin necessarily as the guy that would be directing a comedy. Right. Chevy Chase. Yeah. Because she's yeah. in these movies, like rom coms and yeah. like heist movies and Ghostbusters and stuff. Right before this, it seems like she's on her way up as a star after Alien. Yeah, agreed. So, because yeah. I guess what I mean is, we when we look at the titles, it's clear to us like she's on. I guess how how iconic of an actress was she because of Alien? So when Aliens came out, would you say she was an absolute A lister, or would you say she was sort of somebody who was still she wasn't she hadn't gotten an Academy Award nomination yet? She was. She was. She was moving up, but I think Sigourney Weaver, and I love Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. She's a tough actor to necessarily pigeonhole. Right. Yeah. Um, if you look at her in something like Alien, the whole point of that film is that you don't necessarily know what character is going to survive. It's ten little Indians in space, so you're like, 
she emerges as sort of the survivor and the strong character. But if you watch that film, hopefully sort of, you know, open to it, you, you don't see her as being the hero of that film at all. In the fact, first one. Yeah. Um, She's a survivor. So, it's a big hit. She's a survivor, absolutely. She's a, it's, you know, the film's a big hit. They're like, oh, let's cast her in other things. Not until we get into, uh, I think, Aliens really yeah. put her in that place. In the A-list, yeah. Where and she's... unfortunately, I don't know the chronology here, but I think after Aliens, wasn't it... Um, I mean, I know Ghostbusters came along, but, but uh, after Ghostbusters or before that, wasn't it uh, uh, the film where she played... Uh, uh, Gorillas in the Mist. Who's the character in that? Who Not sure. But I anyway, know. that was the that was going to like cement her as being like an, an A list. Well, I know Witches of Eastwick lady. is a few years later as well. Well, she wasn't in that. That's not her. No. Cher went on Ryder and Cher was in that. Uh, Susan Sarandon and Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay, I'm way yeah. off. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, let's move on to Michael Bean. Half Moon Street, Girls in the Mist, Working Girl, and Ghostbusters Two, and then Alien Three. Okay, no, that was her next. That was her. The Sorry, what was the chronology? Uh, excuse me. It was Half Moon Street, Gorillas mm-hmm. in the Mist, Working Girl, and then Ghostbusters Two, and then okay, the third so Gorillas in the Mist was the one where I think she really actually it was sort of built for her. Yeah, yeah. Sure. She did a great job. The film wasn't super well received, but it was a really good film. Not a movie I've ever seen. Let me get into Michael Bean, which is interesting because he wasn't even cast in this movie originally. Oh, really? No, they had James Remar as the, uh, the mm. as his role. And, and was fired, right? And he was, he was, yeah. It was they separated due to uh, artistic differences, but he had a drug problem. That's oh. he got fired. Cameron fired him for it. Boy, Cameron doesn't deal with that. It's getting real on popcorn. That's talk. right. Was, uh, and I'm a, just calling you out, man. I just, there's actually a scene <laughs> um, when they're it's when they're leaving the initial attack from the aliens. Yeah, the, the Marines, Marines we are died. leaving. Yeah, we are leaving. We are leaving. There's a scene. Um, that they were going to have to reshoot the whole thing because it's Remar in it, but they they got just enough of the back of Michael Bean's character, yeah, to where in the film it's actually James Remar, it's him. Oh, and but it's just the back of him. I didn't know. And that. It looks the I exact same. Okay. Uh, and then they add in Michael Bean. They they shoot the scenes around it. But yeah, there's that that initial them leaving scene that it's it's not it's not it's not Bean. One of the stories about that scene that I liked so much that I that I I was watching a documentary and they were talking about it is that uh, as the acid is burning and they're trying to like light different parts of the APC on fire, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, they're all sort of they're all sort of looking around and, and it's packed and he's telling the story <laughs> and he's like I look over at Jeanette who plays uh, uh, Vasquez, Vasquez mm-hmm. and she looks at him and, and there's like the smoke, this chemical smoke coming up from the flames because there's plastic burning inside this vehicle. Right. She looks at me, she's like, I can't breathe! And, and, and Paxton's like, I remember having this great moment. He's like, God, that is such an actorly thing to do. What she's like, wow, that is what yeah. great improv to do. And then he takes a breath in and he's like, I can't, she's not faking it! And they're all <laughs> just fall to the ground. None of them can breathe. So they had to clear out the APC, send them to lunch. They come wow. back to shoot it after lunch again. The exact same thing happens again. So then apparently they ripped the roof off and they, they reshot it again without the roof on it yeah. to be able to pull the scene off. It was hilarious. I thought, was like, wow, that's some good improvising. Which is even funnier with Bill Paxton. Like, the, all the interview stuff that you watch with him, like, it's like a com, he goes to Sigourney first and she's like, she's like, you know, I was really a gun control advocate. She's yeah, like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't like that there were some right. guns with them. I didn't want to carry guns. And then he goes to him, he's like, quick cut. And he, quick cut. And he's like, he's like shooting the guns is my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. I've shot a lot of guns. It's great. Like, it's just awesome. It's fucking stoked. Yeah, it just killed me. So, Mike, so Michael Bean, um, you know, something we we were talking about a little was like, Bean is one of these these guys who. You know, if you look at some some of the movies in his career, you have Terminator One, you have Aliens, you have you have uh, Commander Anderson and The Rock, you have Johnny Ringo and Tombstone, yeah. like movies that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. 
The thing about Michael Bean is he's not really built to be star one A. He's like no. he's built to be star one B or like two A. Like he's he's and even in this movie, it's perfect that he's the male lead, but he's actually upstaged by the machismo of a woman. Yeah, absolutely. It's correct. It fits his character. And so I think it's really funny when you look at this, like mm-hmm. seen the fan, never seen Lords of Discipline, Terminator. Every role we just mentioned, Johnny Ringo, he's second. Yeah. Uh, you know, in his Commander yeah, yeah, Anderson, The Rock. You know, he's way down there, but he's, he's, he's yeah. a hired gun, right? Yeah. This movie, he, he's taking orders from somebody, and then essentially he's taking orders from Ripley. There's something about him that gives him a leading star's presence, Yeah, but you don't want to see just him do it. Like him headlining a movie, like an action right. movie, I don't. it would never have worked. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like that feeling, and this is a, this is kind of a stretch for, for our genre, but it was like it was like that feeling you got with John C. Riley. Yeah. You see him in all these movies as a great secondary character, but then all of a sudden he did Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, and you're like, okay, <laughs> he can actually carry a whole movie on his own. It was great. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it, it's one of those guys where you don't think that they have it in him to be the yeah. lead 90 minutes of just him. Right. And they cast him perfectly in this. Yeah, he he definitely can uh, thank James Cameron for an awesome career. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, I would say so. Yeah, we were talking about that on the way over to the set. I think that Michael Bean's best performance was in uh, Tombstone. Johnny Ringo, yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, and I like him. I like him in everything. That, uh, but I think that he really, truly is someone who brings a specific thing to uh, a film. I don't. He's a role filling guy. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. I'm trying to say it in a nice way. I mean, yeah, yeah, no. So, I mean, look, I mean, we love you, Michael Bean. If no, you were to come on the show, we would be elated. Yeah, yeah, like ecstatic. Like, yeah. love Michael Bean. Have to you death. all seen the fan? 1981. Yeah, hundred percent. You've seen the fan. I saw it. Uh, my dad made it's me. One watch of my it. camp classic movies. Yeah. I, oh my gosh, yes, yeah. love it. It's good. I have no idea what the film is about. It's uh, <laughs> but I it's, love it's, it. It seems like it was made by a, a bunch of gay theater queens who said, "Let's let's make a horror film." I can tell you very little about the fan. Uh, there was like there was a stretch of movies that when I was like getting into the AFI Top 100, so Lauren like Bacall. It's Lauren Bacall. She's the lead in a slasher movie, and she's going to resurrect her career by doing this uh, this musical. And this young guy, Michael Bean, is obsessed with her sexually, and <laughs> he keeps writing her fan letters, and they huh. become increasingly erotic. And eventually, uh, he tries to kill her by killing people around him and he stages his death by going to a gay bar and killing someone who looks like him oh it's a it sounds great and it's a invitation for the audience maybe I haven't seen this movie maybe I'm mixing this up I think think maybe you are and it's interspersed with all sorts of great musical numbers and I say great in quotes it's a fascinating (laughs) film we're just going to turn off the show and go watch that. We're if you guys want to watch the fan, uh, <laughs> come back. So uh, so let's talk a little bit about who, who made the movie, directors, yeah. producers. We're so, going to skimp on this slightly because we got other things we got to get to. We have a lot we want to talk about. And, I mean, if uh, any of you guys watched the Terminator 2 episode, which uh, um, some of you did. And if you haven't, you should. Cause, I watched it. It was awesome. Because he's a great Oh, no, no, guy. I didn't. I was actually on it. <laughs> That's right. uh, we, we did a lot of the same research. And we'll, it's a lot of the same people yes. in the same place in their careers now as they were 10 weeks ago. So That's right. Uh, Cameron, obviously, is basically a genius when it comes to blockbusters and action movies. I'm trying my pen again. I'm not giving you my pen um, this week. I took okay. it. So Cameron, you know, he, he uh, was studied physics, majored in physics at, at California State University. Drove a truck to support a screenwriting ambition, and then basically after working on Roger Corman films, he ended up directing Terminator in 84, had a giant, huge success from that, and now has directed two of the three highest grossing films of all time. Right. I mean, by the time this movie was released, he had written 
he it's tough to say that he'd written Rambo First Blood Part 2 because he did and then Sylvester Sloan went in and redoctored it and completely changed a lot of it. Yeah. But he'd written Terminator and he'd been working on The Abyss and he's writing this. Yeah. Like this guy is incredible. And then he goes on to do T2 immediately afterwards. Mm-hmm. We were talking a little bit about the similar and I mentioned Rambo First Blood Part 2 once already but yeah. the similarities between First Blood and Alien mm. and then Aliens and First Blood Part Two, like the the tone, the yeah. tonality, yeah, and the shift in tone between the mm-hmm. first and the second film, it's very interesting. Both of the second films are big budget action movies made in I think eighty five and eighty six, or within a year or two mm-hmm. of each other. Yeah, um, and both of the first films are these much more like character driven, much more dramatic sort of uh, heavy, serious. Yeah, I mean, First Blood is a pretty serious movie. I mean, mm-hmm. Brian Dennehy is quite good in it. Like it's, you know, it's post traumatic stress. Like you, Rambo. Didn't you tell me that in the original cut he kills himself at the end of First Blood? Yeah, and actually they filmed that uh, his suicide, um, so we wouldn't, you know, everything would have been a prequel, I guess, had you know been a hit. Yeah. Otherwise, but yeah, test uh, screenings were like, oh god, why did he kill himself? It's really dark. Yeah. So it's interesting when you look at Cameron's. Well, I think career. that's how it ends in the book too. I mean, in, okay. in First Blood he commits suicide. Yeah, so I've never, so I've never read it. Even and even yeah. even knowing that Cameron drew inspiration for Aliens from the Vietnam War. Yeah, I mean he, that's genius. Yeah, and he wanted to put he wanted a situation where he was going to put a team of soldiers that were better equipped than the opposition yeah. mm-hmm. in an unfamiliar territory where they their weapons and their superior firepower would be useless against you know these uh, unfamiliar opponents. Right. I mean, they, they're sitting there with these trackers and they're they're on top of us. Where are they? Well, this isn't working. Wait, no, they're right. above you. you right. know, it's the exact same feel, and I think that that was a really cool thing, especially for when this movie had come out. We were everyone was very familiar with what was going on. Yeah. What happened, you know, and this 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 type of thing, I think it subliminally hit home. I don't think a lot of people f- understood it, but they loved it for some reason. Yeah, for, you for, know? for aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, when if you're under a certain age, that completely went over your head, right? Um, and if you look at, uh, <laughs> well, it went over my head. I mean, I but but then you look at the time frame, and you're like, oh, but you know, for people that were in their 20s and 30s and 40s. That really hit home. Yeah, um, but you know, you know the 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 concept you're describing is, is a trope now. I mean, if you look at Predator, yeah. same thing: superior firepower, but they can't deal with this. Yeah, this you know thing which has now become indigenous to this jungle, even though it's from a different planet. You know, and things right. like that, and all, all that stuff is, I think, uh, you know, all those metaphors are very similar to you know post nine eleven you know iconography. If right. you look at after. You know, uh, September 11th, uh, movies from that point forward, action films, horror films, not horror films, but, you know, big budget films that had destruction in it, it's all informed by the things we saw post 9-11. So in that sense, the Vietnam War was such a huge and divisive sort of, you know, event that it was going to creep into pop culture in some form or fashion. And it has. And it's, you know, you can make a direct comparison to say, you know, uh, the first Godzilla film, uh, you know, the Japanese government did not want, or for I think forbade, uh, forbid um, um, any kind of media to discuss the war or anything like that. So they had to find metaphors to discuss, right? Uh, you know, Hiroshima and things like that. And that's where Godzilla was born out of. Sure. So from that respect, that's how we get these sorts of interesting subtext, subtextual things and stories like this. And I think that also gives them legs when you've got someone really smart like Cameron um, that can find ways to put that in there. 
it's it's just another element that gives it more life as yeah. it, the more times you watch it. Well, and sci-fi fantasy is such an escape. That's the point. So it's it's very interesting, as you said, a director smart enough. I mean, Sigourney Weaver in an interview says she hates guns. She thinks Cameron hates guns too. Right. But he's fascinated by them in a way she's right. not. Yeah. So right. it's in. It's like. You know, this is an escape. Until she shot them, of genre. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, this is kind of awesome. The flamethrowers, yeah. cool. Yeah. But yeah. if it's reflective of reality in a way, I mean, it makes it that much more intelligent, sure. which is why it resonates. Yeah. Um, what was so cool about him writing this is David Giller and Walter Hill over at Fox. They had um, they'd been in a rights battle because the ownership, I believe, at Fox changed during yeah. Alien and Aliens. Um, once they'd won the rights, they were trying to find someone to write Alien Two. And Giller's like, "Well, what about?" He'd seen the Terminator script. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, "Well, what about this guy?" They're like, well, who is this guy? Right. Which is hilarious. He worked on Piranha. Who's James Cameron? Yeah. So they're like, who is this guy? You know, I don't really want anything to do with him. And then, so they're like, okay, so we kind of want you to write this second movie. What do you think about it? So in four days, after four days, he'd written 45 pages. Yeah, treatment, right? Yeah. And and the the execs were like, okay, I think this is going to be great. And, but they were like, but he's shooting Terminator. Yeah. We want this to come out. You know, we, we don't have enough time, essentially. All of a sudden, a scheduling conflict comes up with Arnold and Conan the Barbarian, where he's going to be on a 90-day hiatus. So Cameron goes and writes 95 pages over these like next few weeks, yeah. months, and gives it to the execs. And they're like, all right, we don't normally do this. We're going to wait for you to finish so that we can have you come on and direct this movie and write it. Just, Just immediately just paving the way for this massive career that he has. Mm-hmm. What do you think would have happened if Ridley Scott had done Aliens and Cameron had done Rambo First Blood Part 2? What do we think those movies would look like? I'm so glad that that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but I mean, it's it's not beyond, if you think about like the way things happened at the time, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that could have happened. Oh, no, I think the all. DNA of Rambo... Uh, I'm sorry. I think the DNA of Cameron is still very present in Rambo First Blood Part Two. Everything from the timed uh, explosive arrows yeah, to right. you know, sort of the you know the the big set piece, and then it, oh wait, there's a bigger set piece coming. Uh, I, although I think that you put Cameron and Stallone in a room together, and you're going to have a big cockfight. Yeah, yeah exactly. And True. so I don't know what kind of film you'd end up with, frankly. But I can pretty much assure you that if Ridley Scott directed Aliens, it probably wouldn't be the film it is. No. I hate to say that because, I mean, I really like Ridley Scott. Oh, he's great. But I look at Ridley Scott and go, yeah, I mean, he's great, but I don't think he's a genius. Question of the day, guys. I know. Who is the greater action movie, I'm sorry, the greater science fiction visionary, Ridley Scott, or James Cameron. James Cameron. Yeah, I, and that's what I said last week when we did, talked about Gladiator and me saying that Gladiator was really Scott's best movie. I think that these movies that James Cameron did in the beginning of his career, Terminator, yeah, this, The Abyss, and Terminator 2, and then he went on to di- do Avatar. Not only does he and, and revolutionize... And Titanic. And Titanic, but I'm, we're talking sci-fi. Okay, yeah. Not only did he revolutionize the way that you shot these movies with introducing real 3D right. and Avatar and obviously all the models and everything he did for these movies, the dude is... Ridley Scott paved it in a different way. Yeah. He's more revolutionary. Uh, James Cameron is. Ridley Scott kind of built a genre, whereas James Cameron, I feel like, perfected it. Hmm. I would say Ridley Scott was revolutionary in, in a lot of things. And I would say certainly with Alien, we wouldn't have Aliens. And right. we certainly wouldn't have that look or that... Well, let's just say that aesthetic... Um, Cameron takes tone and masters it in a way that I think is just unbelievably remarkable. And the fact that he's willing to 
really kind of put everything on the line for these films. Yeah. He really seems to, to sweat blood. When the he passion involved. Oh, yeah. I mean, being in one of the interviews is saying, and he corrects himself, it's interesting. He says, when Cameron was doing this movie, he was really in his prime as a filmmaker. He said, well, you know, he's this is an 03. Yeah, he's still in his prime. He says he's yeah. still in his prime, but it's like, I think there's a real feeling that, like you said, there's a blood, sweat, and tears passion. Mm-hmm. And we were the, one of the first things Andrew and I said when we were watching Aliens, I was like, good Lord, look at the... Like, look at the space. Look at the set design. Just mm-hmm. every little detail. Just the way the whole place feels, the lighting, mm-hmm. everything. And he's so particular about what he wants his movie to look like. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I mean, the, and the thing is, like, did you move that arm? He's like, I didn't tell you to move that arm. Right. You know? It's just, a, it's like barely even in the shot for like half a second. Like, the dude, everything needs to be the exact way he well, wants it. Well, but here's the thing. It's like... When you're when you're directing a film, and I and I have some experiences now, uh, you 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 know you will fight with your producers on mm-hmm. these sorts of things. You will say, well, I, you know, this is the way I want it. And look, I'm and I'm not saying that the director's always right or you know the producer's always wrong because that's mm-hmm. not the case. Um, but you you know if you listen to interviews with people or you know people that have worked with James Cameron. Um, he is willing to say, look, it is my way, yeah. period. You want to fight me on this? We will fight. We will shut the production down and we will fight on this. I mean, there was numerous people fired throughout this movie. Dick Bush, director of photography, was Absolutely. replaced. Yeah. Right. I mean, it uh, was one of the set design guys and one of the editors was so worried about losing his job, he stayed up for like two days straight and locked himself in a room and reshot the final scene to be like, I want to be here. James you know? Horner. And let me I mean, tell you. Yeah, James well, yeah, Horner. Well, well, they ended their relationship after Aliens. But he got an Academy Award yeah. nomination for, oh, exactly. for a yeah. score that he wrote in four days. I mean, it's because, like... <clears throat> but I used to be really, really... Uh, there was a part of me that said, well, yeah, Cameron, but I don't think I'd want to, you know, be his buddy. Yeah. I still wouldn't want to be his buddy, um, but I don't think he wants any buddies. I think he wants to make his movies. He wants yeah. To, yeah. And so, you know, I look at it now and go, look, people that are that opinionated and can show it, um, get out of their way. Yeah, Let them absolutely. do what they're going to do. It's funny that you talk so, about the producer because next we're going to be talking about the producer, which is Gail Ann Hurd, who yeah. ended up marrying Cameron yeah. throughout the filming yeah. of this, who the whole time, and, you know, she's worked on Walking Dead, the, yeah. all the Terminators, Armageddon, The Abyss. Um, she... A really good vampire film called uh, Near Dark. The one, is that the 80s one with, uh, what's this, with, with, with Bill Paxton? Paxton? Yeah, with Bill Paxton. And, um, yeah, yeah. and uh, Jeanette... Jeanette, um, Jeanette uh, and it's directed, Paul, if I'm not mistaken, by Catherine Bigelow. I believe so. Who, yeah. Who Interesting. Also Another. Yeah. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> so I don't know what this means, but constantly was getting ragged on by everyone around her. For mm-hmm. you're not, you're only here because you're you're James Cameron's girlfriend. You're James right. Cameron's wife. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, contrary. But you go through and you watch. And I mean, obviously, you've, the things that we just mentioned that she worked on. You go through and you watch these making of videos. She's right there. She's on yeah. the same level as Cameron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's just as passionate. And everything that he says or that she executes is done with this incredible amount of thought. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, look at the movie. Yeah, she it was and, great. And she was with him. For, and look at her career. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. And she straight up fired yeah. people too. She's like, you mm-hmm. don't want to do this. You're gone. We'll replace you. And she would do it. Yeah, well, the, the British crew did have some issues with. Oh yeah, they hated working Cameron, for him. Yeah. First of all, they thought he was an idiot. Yeah, yeah. and they needed to take tea breaks. They had to take tea breaks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but the one thing that Cameron did that was cool is he would show them dailies at the end of every day. The whole crew. Yeah, and it would. It was kind of like a, a rally cry for them every night to be like, all right, well. Shit, it looks that good. Let's stay up all night and make the next day look that good. Yeah, you know. So he he kind of had to like, just like dropping cookies in front of a mouse, just like get it closer and closer and closer. One of the things, smart. I, so mm-hmm. so we'll talk about this in just one second. But um, 
if you look at this movie and you start to try to imagine, okay, in 1986, to get this to look the way that it looks and to do some of the things they did, if you don't know, it's hard to imagine. So mm-hmm. a great example is that the the Queen Alien, uh, and we have a making of video we're going to queue up here. Uh, we can just sort of show we talk about this. Yeah, It's a 14-foot puppet. And it's operated most of the time by 14 or 15 people. Sometimes even 16, they said, was the maximum number, which is... Crazy. And there's two people inside this puppet. Yeah, back to back. And on top of that, it doesn't... None of uh, none of what you see has any like digital uh, digital removal of cables or wires. No. It's just Cameron saying, "Okay, look, economy of shot. We need to show this, that, and the other. So we're going to shoot it like this. Mm-hmm. We're going to shoot it behind this, mm-hmm. coming around this corner. And while everybody was like, "This is going to be too expensive. You're going to go over budget. We're going to run out of time." I mean, one of the original producer or the original DP who we said here uh, Bush uh, Dick Bush. Yeah, he was insisting on lighting the nest brightly lit. light. He wanted yeah. And cameras, no, you're, I'm not doing that. And he's like, you're just going to take too much time. He said, no, we're just going to shoot it the way we want to shoot it, and this is going to work. And as you can see, I mean, this is like the process that they were going through to construct something. I mean, the face huggers are another one yeah. that it was – they're trying to figure out a way with these puppets. Well, give it up to Stan Winston's group too. I mean, they really – Yeah. Yeah. Winston's incredible. He, they've got all these different puppets that, that do all these different things. And when they want the like the skittering across the floor, you know, one of those shots where, where Ripley's on the ground and the facehugger jumps up on the it's table, reversed, right? Yeah, flies towards mm-hmm. the camera. Yeah, it's shot in three pieces. Yeah, it's skittering sk- across the floor, operated by a bunch of people and yep. tables and wires. It's a puppet, and then they set it up on the actual piece. Reverse photography to jump, pull it back, and then a, yeah. the same deal with a third shot going towards the camera. And you watch it, and it doesn't even look the le- like. For one of the things one of the guys in the crew says is, yeah. "Look." Well, you didn't think about this, James. Yeah, they would come up and like wag their finger. They were so smart. Yeah, it's the sprinklers are going in the room when this is happening, so mm-hmm. there's going to be water coming down, and if you reverse it, you're going to see it. He said, "No, it's just going to be a texture on the ground. Yeah. You won't notice the difference because it doesn't matter. It's the same. It's the same look." And he was absolutely right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was kind of that moment where everyone realized that, like, all right, we need to just shut up and do what this guy wants because he's thought about it. Yeah, he's already imagined every way. Like anything he imagines, he's already figured out a way to execute it. Absolutely. So we're just going to shut our mouths and we don't want to get fired like Bush. You know. But that goes back to my point, which is sometimes people will not share your vision, mm-hmm. and they, you either have to say, "Well, we hired the guy to do it. Let's let him do what he's going to do." So we have this video we're going to yeah. show right now. We'll kind of chat over it, but you can you can just see the development of the Queen as we as we talk about this next part. Uh, just the sort of like wrapping of plastic garbage bags and the original mock-up and and uh, they had like a room full of puppeteers operating each individual limb and it'd be like move it up and down no 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 slower slower move it all the way up and then partially down and up and like he would sit there and direct every limb for every puppeteer and this is what I was talking about with economy of shots too because he knew what to shoot yeah you know it can look like shit from over here but we don't care what it looks like from right there yeah, one of the stories yeah. that's so cool about that, and, and oh yeah, I've seen this video. This is terrific stuff. This is like the the original, you know. They're, yeah, they're doing some. But the yeah, when economy of shot. You talk about this is this is one of the stories that I thought was so cool. When when Bishop gets ripped in half, mm-hmm. um, that yeah, yeah, loved it. So they had like I think like some sort of like uh, water soaked latex, a tube that was running up his shirt with a wire attached to it, mm-hmm. and actually behind him was the the queen puppet. But in the shot, you don't see it. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they pull the wire through his shirt, mm-hmm. and the wire then extends the latex, so it looks like the alien blade because it goes at a high yeah. speed. Mm-hmm. They pull back, and the alien's behind him, and they've got the the fake uh, tail jammed into his back, yeah. and he's got milk and yogurt mixed up in his mouth, and he starts vomiting all over himself. And it's like 
You're trying to conceptualize that. Well, when they pull the, the thing out of him, it yeah. goes into his suit. Yeah. You know, it goes down his leg, which you don't see because it happens so quickly. Yeah. And it's just, it's genius. Everything that they do is genius in this film. And this is, again, 30 years old, and it's all real effects. So crazy. And it looked, um, it looks amazing still. It like, still does. Yeah, I didn't really think that it aged. So, uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about $18.5 million budget and, uh, <laughs> How Which, this movie was made for nothing. Yeah, this movie is 30 years old. $18.5 million might sound like a lot. It wasn't then, still. And five years later, five years later, he was like, give me $100 million. I'm making Terminator 2. Yeah. They're like, all right, you can yeah, do yeah, this. Yeah, you can do this. Sure, whatever. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken, isn't this a lower budget than the first Alien? What Didn't Alien cost more? That I don't know, but I do know that Rambo cost 25. Right. <laughs> I can tell yeah. you that much. Well, we uh, have these little mini we, computers. Yeah. You could look it up. You and talk see about it. numbers. I'll uh, I'll figure this out real quick. Yeah. So it opens. Depends the way you look at it, eighteen million dollars, even in adjusted dollars. I mean, it's not a, a micro budget film at all. It's a low budget movie, right? Um, so they were giving him enough rope to hang themselves, essentially. Yeah, and of course, and it stayed under budget, finished on time. So it was eleven million dollar budget in seventy nine. Seventy nine million. But I wonder what that is in adjusted. It's, it's got to be very very close. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this movie opened in July. Yeah, and, and the movie we have a little chart here. Vamp. We'll show of, and Vamp, which was going to be the big hit of the year. Yeah, yeah. we have, we have the we have yeah. the opening weekend, July eighteenth, um, and uh, the movies that it opened against. Not uh, this one, but the other graphic. Yeah, the other graphic. So uh, we, we have the opening weekend, and it's pretty funny to think that. Uh, no, that's really Scott. That's really Scott. <laughs> there we there go. We Perfect. Go. Um, Karate Kid two. Well, in theaters go. already. Yeah. You have Vamp and Pirates are the openers that weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked up both these movies. Not ashamed to say I had never heard of either one of them. Um, <laughs> Pirates was directed by Roman Polanski, starring him. Mm-hmm. Uh, who did I say was in that movie? Uh, Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau. Yeah. And Natasha yeah. Kinski. Yes. And then Vamp, which I believe was oh, a film about uh, a, a bar that is run by vampires. And it's oh, a comedy. wow. That's genius. Grace Jones yeah. okay. was the <laughs> vamp. Did it get grossed $2,000? Is that what it says? Uh, $2, million. That, $2 million? That weekend. Uh, <laughs> oh, two million. Okay, two thousand dollars. I was like, "Are you serious?" Uh, so that's pretty crazy. That that mm. in July eighteenth, Aliens is opening against Vamp and Pirates. Right. I mean, um, it's, there's other big, huge movies in there, as you can see if you look down the list. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Top Gun, Karate Kid Two. But that's what you want to open your movie Vamp against is Aliens, directed yeah. by James Cameron. Yeah, well, who was not? I mean, was, I guess sort well, Terminator's been out well, in America. At, yeah. You know? Well, if you look at this, these numbers now, let's see how long had. Um, Ruthless or Karate Kid been in theaters two weeks. Looks like it. Say, yeah. So Karate Kid Part Two was probably going to be considered the big hit of the summer. Absolutely. Um, Looks like it was his fifth. It, this yeah. is sixth week or Six, fifth, oh, fifth okay. week. I'm sorry, I can't see. Them. Um, so very blind. And Top Gun uh, still you know, huge. Still huge. It's been in theaters for ten weeks. It's made another four million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, it is it is interesting to see that this you know ten million dollars opening weekend, uh, which on an eighteen million dollar budget, it's a, it's a great start. Yeah, hey, the bad. word of mouth on Aliens was. I mean, this is before Twitter. This is before Facebook. This is before yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can the word imagine. of mouth was enormous. Yeah. For good reason. So 131 million total. Um, definitely, you know, propelled Cameron into superstardom as a director. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave him the rope to do pretty much whatever he wanted. Uh, I would mm-hmm. say T2 was definitely the T2 was the you can absolutely do whatever you want moment. Right. But this mm-hmm. movie was was pretty damn close. You really you don't think that was Abyss? Well, I mean, because T2 is a, is a sequel to a very successful first movie. Yeah, maybe Abyss so. is kind of like you write, you direct, you do everything you want. Here's all this money. 
Yeah, I would. I would know other than the numbers on Abyss. I don't know him. Well, Abyss was a disappointment. Yeah. On, on, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what the revisionist history is, is now, but when the Abyss came out, uh, you know, a lot of people walked out of that film going, "Well, there's a lot of cool stuff in it," but it, it, uh, it, it wasn't the the juggernaut that I think Cameron wanted it to be. Yeah. And that's another film where there are certain little key elements of it that were cut from the theatrical cut, which is a little bit strange. Right. I don't know if you've seen... No, I've never seen the director's cut. The director's cut, okay. Oh, yeah, what, the, we're talking The Abyss? Yeah, the no, Abyss. I have not seen it. Uh, you know, I, I think it would be not such a good idea to maybe even spoil that. So it's a, if you get a chance to anyone to watch the director's cut of The Abyss next to the theatrical cut, you'll see what I'm talking about. There's some right. couple key moments that are, are kind of perplexing in the fact they were cut from the theatrical cut. Interesting. So he's, uh, we got our... Our engineer back there looking up the numbers on the abyss, which it may. So there you go. Total gross fifty four million. Domest- yeah. Domestic fifty four. What does it got down? What's the total there, John? Yeah, I'm blind. <laughs> I, know, I'm, I really have the worst vision, guys. Uh, but it, it wasn't successful. But I think we can just chalk it up to that. It made right. fifty four million domestic. It was made later on. He's already made T two and this movie. It, it just it, it wasn't there. But the the abyss was really a, a real, you know, a real hiccup. Yeah, for him. Mm-hmm. Well, does the abyss before or after? What year is it? After T two, it is. Exactly. Yeah, okay, it's after. It's right so afterwards. It, it does look like it made a good chunk worldwide, though. What does it, it say? It made ninety million worldwide, uh, fifty four domestic. Yeah, so still, that's the, that's whatever. you know, that's that's a disappointment big step coming back of, from these these previous yeah. two movies. A fo- yeah. I mean, on a follow up to a film that made one hundred thirty one worldwide, mm-hmm. or, or a no, a follow up to T two. Yeah, which yeah, one hundred thirty one, yes. and then T two made an absurd a amount of money. twelve. So we got the, we have the graphic here for all the Alien movies that came out, and surprisingly, uh, Alien is the number one. I mean, yeah. this is adjusted for you know today for seventy nine, which yeah. is very we, which you have to in this big of a franchise. First of all, the, the, the whole franchise has made almost a billion dollars. It's crazy, which is that's including the Alien versus Predators and, and Alien versus Predator Requiem and all that. But you look here, the very first Alien movie made two hundred and sixty three million dollars back in seventy nine. Adjusted yeah, for now, 70, so seventy-eight. But yeah, or, excuse me. Yeah, so unadjustedly, it made seventy-eight million dollars, and you're just you're like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah, you know. And then you look, and Aliens made almost as much a few years later. Yeah, and then Prometheus. It makes sense because Alien Three was kind of like you said, it, it's a bad movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. Prometheus wasn't bad. It just wasn't like watching Aliens for the first time. I've heard know? that there is a and Ryan, speak to this if you know anything about this. That I've heard that. Um, okay. What? Just so we know, uh, the oh, abyss came right out. Beforehand. The the abyss came out, and then Terminator Two. That's what I thought. I was thinking about this. So, and, and this is important because when the abyss came out, one of the things that that did come out of the abyss was oh, right. the it's, use of yeah. CGI in in the in, in, a, in the real proper way. So yeah. that, that water tentacle was the the thing that said became okay. T-1000. Well, we can that became the T one thousand exactly. That's a real key point. That paved so, the way for that movie, and that also uh, was a big resurrection, also for Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was a big, big hit because he'd done a few things that done well, but this was this brought them both back on the map in a huge way. Right. T two. Anyway, yeah. So um, get into critical. That's why oh, I'm like sorry. checking my phone here. Sorry. Yeah. No that. worries. No worries. I, it, it is interesting looking at these numbers and thinking about something I just wanted to talk about <clears throat> just briefly before we move into critical was. If you look at sci-fi movies in the five years on either side of this, right? So 1986, and let's say 81 is the year we start this, so it's a good place to start. So you go 81 to 91. Mm-hmm. I, I did a little bit of research yesterday just to see, like, 
if you if you look on IMDb, if you look on Tomatoes, if you look at the various sites, what are the highest rated sci-fi movies between 81 and 91? It's very interesting that the two highest rated are T2 and Aliens. And Aliens, yes. And then you have you have like Back to the Future, you have ET, you have The Thing, you have um, like Return of the Jedi, you've got Predator. None of these movies I mean, even even Jedi, which is probably of the ones I just named. I guess ET is pretty monumental. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're not on the same level though. In terms of like, you watch the movies now and you say T two Aliens. These are sci fi movies that have this eternal quality. Yes, and those other movies we're talking about, it's like people people sort of like they're like, yeah, I mean, Jedi, Star Wars, I love Jedi, but it's the worst of those original three. I think or, the difference is is that they're those films seem. To be artifacts a bit. They're yes, campy. They're campy. Yes. Oh, I wouldn't call them campy. I mean, but but they're, but they're like they've ET, definitely aged. ET aged movies. in a way I don't think anyone expected because ET for the time that was movie scared the, the shit out of me as a kid. Oh, well, and Terminator One is the third one, by the way. Right, that would be the other that is the best reviewed. But if you look at <laughs> if you look at ET it, up to a point, it was the most successful film of all time. Yep. Right. And a lot of people thought, well, look, that's going to be like, uh, uh, you know, like Wizard of Oz. A lot of people talked about it, like that's going to be a classic. All-time perennial, you know, kids' film, and it's a mm-hmm. beautiful sort of science fiction film. I said that in quotes because, you know, yeah, not really. Um, but it really has become kind of an artifact. It's it. The film doesn't seem to have really resonated through generations, which yeah. is interesting. <clears throat> Whereas a movie like Aliens, you know, it it f- felt like it pushed itself slightly ahead of its time. And I think that's one of the things about these types of movies that work. Yeah. That's why a film like, say, Robocop, which is another film I adore. It's yeah. incredibly. It's aged vastly, though. It's, yeah. It has aged, but it's it was so violent mm-hmm. for its time that people, a lot of people sort of pushed away from it going, well, this is too much. Right. Yeah. And its satire was, you know, hit its mark with some people. Other people thought, I don't know, what, what it, is this supposed to be funny? Hmm. So the film... And I think RoboCop ages very, very well, in spite of some of its visual effects. Sure. Um, I, for that very reason. So I think that can play into this as well. Yeah. I don't know where that rates in terms of Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. But. Well, let's, speaking of tomatoes, let's let's breeze through these so we can make sure we get recast and yeah, get, yeah. talk about so your movie a little bit. We got, we got IMDb. It's got an 8.4. It's, it's rated 65th on the 250. You know, that, that alone, just for what this movie is, is, that's a great start. And then Rotten Tomatoes, I think this is the highest reviewed movie that we've done. All is it the board. 98, 93, 94? Yeah, I mean, top all critics ninety eight, top critics ninety three, and the audience gives it a ninety four. And they, I don't think they could be more correct. Yeah, there's nothing about this. I mean, the fact that I love scary movies, Ryan directs scary movies. This movie is still scary, absolutely. And it's an action movie, but it's a scary. Like everything we talked about, the, the face huggers crawling across the floor, the, the laying of the eggs, the, the queen. It's terrifying still like you and I were on the edge of your couch watching the end of this movie but but it doesn't cheat people that want action no and it doesn't pe- people cheat people that want scary that's one of the really cool things about it it doesn't seem to you know have a problem with either one right He's, Cameron says he, he he didn't want horror he wanted terror Is yeah that what he was going for mm-hmm. yeah and, and which is interesting because yeah. you go in this and then Gene Siskel was not a fan. He gave it a two out of four. He goes, count me out of the fan club for this one. To me, Aliens is extremely violent, protracted attack on the senses, as surviving space explorer Sigourney Weaver again controls the spiny, or excuse me, confronts the spiny slithering creature who killed her buddies in the original film. Um, And then he goes on to say, some people have praised the technical excellence of Aliens. Well, the Eiffel Tower is technically impressive, but I wouldn't want to watch it fall apart on people for two hours. Which is just, it's absurd. Like, he complains about, like, this, 
in the longer review, he complains about how, like, there's this love story between her and the, the girl that's, like, cheap and she gets kidnapped and so you care more. No. No. It's not cheap. It's we haven't great. even talked about Newt yet. Actually, we've talked for 62 minutes. We haven't even yeah. mentioned her yet. She's great. She's, she's so endearing. She's one of, we've talked about, like, the, the Dakota Fanning Man on Fire Effect where yeah. your character is adorable and a little weird and not, like, She's not, like, cliche cute. She doesn't overstep her bounds as a child character. She's I'm going to challenge you guys on this a little bit. Um, I, I I don't agree with Gene. So this is a skull, obviously. But Cameron has no problem with going for the obvious. Sure. Uh, he, never. He directed True Lies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look. You throw a little girl into the mix, which is his invention. You're like, well, there you go. Right. There's a little, she, there's something has to there's happen There's a stake at some here. Point. Right. And he's lo- she lost a daughter. Now she gets a new daughter. And, I mean, you go through all of his films and you'll find, like, oh, my gosh. I mean, Avatar is very paint-by-numbers in that respect. Absolutely. Pocahontas. It's Pocahontas mm-hmm. in space. Yeah. Exactly. And without any deviations, except it's just a bigger scope and right, stuff. Right, colorful. Yeah. But the fact that he is so assured in what he's doing and he's sort of daring you to say, yeah, yeah, well, fine. It's it's a basic story, but whatever. We're gonna I'm going to put my mark on it. Um I think maybe he did a bad sandwich when he sat down to watch it because you know, he sure. loves Gene Siskel was famously in love with um, a lot of movies which are you know similar to this. So it's just like maybe he had a bad day. Yeah, bad because week. Ebert's usually the one that's more against those act the big like action like yeah. bloody. And, and Ebert gave this movie a three out of four. Uh, yeah, that's and, so funny. You can and watch maybe this he'd do four to four if he were alive today. But I can't yeah. even I can't even imagine. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a fresh review here from Walter Goodman in the New York Times. This is a flaming, flashing, crashing, cracking, blow em up show that keeps you popping from your seat despite your better instincts and the basically conventional scare tactics. But that um, was a review for The View, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it, I, I, I picked that one out just because I'm like, yeah, it was. I was on the edge of my seat 30 years later. Ah! Terrifying. Those face huggers are scary as shit. Yes, keep that. Oh my goodness. Mine. Like, one, yeah, definitely, definitely, absolutely horrifying. Um, what do you guys think the, the ultimate scene in this movie is? What is the ultimate action scene? Um, we we have, I think we maybe have a video uh, to queue up here of the, I think we have a video to queue up here of the scene, which I personally, even though it's not the most action-packed scene, uh, I really do think that the, the scene that I mentioned earlier, where yeah. she's walking through the egg nest, um, and we have a video we can queue of that right now, is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's... It's not really... Actiony in the way that like the fight is actiony or like do you know what I mean? I mean her getting to this point, there's a lot of action. This is like the only time you see Ripley like using a fully automatic machine. There's gun the top the ramen. Fight. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. I mean, I get you could say you could say that the that the loader versus the queen is the ultimate action. Scene. Right. But I think most people would the original attack on the Marines is the ultimate action scene as well. I, I would say the, the second half of the attack on Marines is probably like the. Most propulsive scene. If you actually, the battle between uh, Ripley and the Queen is again beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you, you know, you watch it, it's a, it's slow and plodding and exciting. Yeah. I mean, when I say slow, I don't mean slow like oh, it's a slow scene. It's a very intense scene. Yeah. But you know, when she decides to take over, that music cranks up. It's called this the the piece of music called Feudal Escape. If you want to listen to it on your all right <laughs> on iTunes, it's an amazing piece of music. Um, and she takes over the uh, the APU and she drives that uh, thing through the wall. That is very That's, fast, and it's yeah. it's the cuts are really moving at a really really intense. Uh, pace. I think for me, uh, that's the truest action. That's scene. a pure action yeah. scene. That's yeah. pure action. Yeah, I, it's uh, 
as you said, it's sort of one of those movies where it's it's terror, not action. It is an action movie, but the whole movie is sort of it has this this pace mm-hmm. that you you know that like this isn't really an action scene, no. but it's the most to me it's the most vibrant scene. It makes me feel the most. Yeah, like this this moment of her realization of just like oh my god, yeah. where am I? It's so cool. Yeah. Oops, we took a wrong turn. Yeah. The exact wrong turn. Just the look, and then oh god, this scene's crazy. And we can um, leave it on while we talk about uh, where Sigourney ranks because I think that's it's important. This this part of I mean these are the, these are the people. It's the queen alien. Yeah. As the villain. And Sigourney Weaver, at Ripley, obviously, is the hero. Yeah, on the all-time action action movie hero-villain list. I mean, I think Ripley, for me, not only because she's basically... In the way that Linda Hamilton is, is another awesome, awesome female character that would make the list, but she's not the star hero, sort of, of T2. Yeah. Sigourney is very much the star. I mean, Cameron would joke with her and say Rambo Lita. She's, yeah. she's... I mean, I think you have to say she's, like, Top fifteen, top ten. I put her in like a twelve, eleven, probably. nine, yeah, somewhere, somewhere right around in that there. Range. Anywhere from nine to twelve because she is such a badass. She's the smartest person in the room. She she's fearless. Well, yeah. she goes into this place. I mean, fearless yes. maybe not. But she no, goes, no, no. She is. But I, I, I would just say to that, see where she starts in this film. She is frightened. She's having nightmares. She she's having cold sweats. She, the, the, the last thing she wants to do is do what she's doing here. Right. And one of the great things, another great thing about Aliens is it's a real journey for this character to go from a place of, I want to be in a tiny space. I don't want to be talking to anyone. Mm-hmm. I lost yeah. everything to, I'm going to confront the greatest fear and everything that this represents, literally and fi- figuratively, and I'm going to take it on and I'm going to be a badass. It's a complete 180 from where she is at the beginning of the story. And that is something that is really, really key to the success of this character in this film. Because yeah. if you look at Rambo, yeah. Rambo is a badass in the beginning. He's a badass at the end. Um, this film, this is a character who has a, a really fascinating journey. She changes. Which is betrayed in Alien 3. But Yeah, she just hands down... The, the character arc and, and what she does and the fighting the queen one on one she's got to be yeah nine nine to twelve for me what do you think Ryan is she top ten for you on action hero I agree with him one hundred percent yeah, yeah. yeah I go and the queen for me is top ten I go really because I think there's a couple elements that really make a uh, make a villain iconic for me mm. um, sometimes it's the lines sometimes it's how much you hate them sometimes it's how much you fear them yeah and then I think a big one is how visually iconic they are for you mm. how much they're seared into your memory yeah so in the way that I love the predator but the predator for me doesn't rank in the same way I mean the queen's yeah, not the screaming, in it that much the egg sack it's just frightening yeah. she is she is massive. the villain she's she's behind what's going on mm. and to me she's top 10 yeah yeah, I don't. I don't know that there's a traditional villain in this movie. Um, yeah. I think the villain is is the company. Um, right. Paul Reiser, Paul Reiser represents yeah. the the company. You know, I represent the company, but I'm not. I'm not all bad or something or whatever. Whatever he says. The audience yeah. laughs every time that happens. You know, she's been put into a situation where she's been betrayed, oh. and she's been. You know, uh, now she's taking control of the whole thing. Awesome. But um, you know, when the Queen Alien arrives on the scene, it is a. You know, we weren't expecting it. Oh my God, there it is! And then, of course, we have that second climax, right? When she she battles it. I mean, that's a. I don't know. It's she is a she is a representation of all of Ripley's fears, right? 
Um, but it's not a traditional villain per se. Agreed. It's an interesting. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I, I don't know where I'd put the queen. Right. I don't think I'd do top ten. But I'm maybe top twenty, top twenty, yeah, or twenty five. Yeah. yeah, it's just so visually iconic. I don't know. There's oh, just visually iconic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but right. uh, but yeah, we we definitely need to, we need we need to move, move along. Move here. along. So let's uh, let's quickly rattle off a favorite line, guys. Uh, and guys, anybody watching this who wants to get in on this favorite line or recast, let us know what you think. Obviously, our man Brian Hurst uh, has been chomping at the bit for this recast. So uh, big things out of you, Hurst. Oh yeah. Let's uh, let's get to it. Favorite line. What do you guys got? Get away from her. You bitch. You, you bitch. bitch. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's probably my favorite. But I also do love the game over, man. Yeah. Game over. Because, I mean, Paxson constantly talked about how he improvised most of his lines. Oh, really? That one's improvised. And what it's, about? it's just hilarious. Why don't you put her in charge then? Yeah. Put her in charge, <laughs> man. Just the oh, what are you going to do now? <laughs> his delivery is just the best. I said a line once a day with something. He's great. <laughs> so um, I, there's there's the two. There's one when Newt says they we, we should get inside. They, they come at night mostly. Oh, I like that one. line. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the one that I really like is early when she meets Bishop. And Riser's like, she had a bad experience with a synthetic, uh, tried to kill her. And, and we had some dead, dead passengers. And he's like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah. and he's like, what well, model? He was like, it was a hyperdyne systems, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, well, that could never happen now. We have these inhibitors so that we can't, and I'm just watching, it's just it's so hilarious. Yeah. It's like such a science fiction. They were always were a bit twitchy. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah, the yeah, kind of deadpan. Yeah, it's just such a science fiction classic. So uh, I think that's awesome. But we we have done a recast. The characters here are Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bean, Bill Paxton, Paul Reiser, Jeanette Gold, and Lance Henriksen. Um, that are the characters are obviously Ripley, Hicks, Hudson, uh, whoever Paul Reiser's character plays, like Blake. I can't remember Paul Reiser. Yeah, what's his name? Oh, he's Burr- a, no. Burke. 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 Uh, and then you have uh, what's her name? Um, Second time I've forgotten this today. Saying not uh, what the hell's her name? Oh, uh, Vasquez. Vasquez, yeah. uh, and then Bishop. So we are going to rattle those off because we are running a little short on time. We want to make sure we get to talk about Ryan's movie. I'll do mine real fast. Yeah, uh, sure. Lance Hendrickson. Uh, so uh, Bishop, mm-hmm. John Reese Myers. Very good. Interesting, right? Yeah, I just feel like he's young. Uh, I want to steal that from you, but keep going. <laughs> Jeanette Gold, who I love, uh, Luis Guzman. Oh, you're gonna, you're, I go male. You're, you're going, going male. male. Okay. Yeah, I think it would be really, That's really funny. Cool. I like that. Uh, Paul Reiser. How about Paul Rudd? I thought yeah. about Paul Rudd. That's I mean, good. I did, right? I did think about Paul he Rudd. He could do it. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, Bill Paxton <laughs> completely goes to, too old to do this, but Stephen Wright, who's just very dope oh, fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you put her in charge then? Right. Just, just everything is like, just change the tone. Yeah, everything is like, flip it on his game over, man. Game over. Game over, man. This sounds good. Michael Bean, how about Shia LaBeouf, the crazy new Shia LaBeouf? Just do it. I'm pretty excited yeah, to change. Weird, like. Do know. we think that his career is going to go in like? What if he does some crazy shit, like wins an Oscar next year? Like, mm. I wouldn't even be surprised. I wouldn't he, either. He's, he's not... going off such a deep end that, like, mm-hmm. who knows what's going to happen with that guy? And for the gold, Ripley, Melissa McCarthy. Oh, get out of here! Really? <laughs> the, the, yeah, just make a larger power loader. And, uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Instead like, of like you know get away from her bitch, you come over here, you bitch. Yeah. Sort of thing. <laughs> All right, there, there you go. go. Very good, Ryan. What do you got, baby? There you go. Uh, I'm going to go uh, the other direction. I'm going to start with Sigourney <laughs> Weaver, Jessica Chastain. I, I think she's battle tested. Yeah, I, I like she's yeah. real serious. Pure um, dude. I am going to go Michael Bean. I'm going to go with uh, Anthony Mackie, who plays the Falcon yeah, in yeah. the Captain America films. Um, Bill Paxton. I went with Aaron Paul. 
the same kind of obnoxious. Like, yeah, I like that. That's a good one. You know, it's like I think, and I think it's old enough now that I think if you put a little size on some tattoos, I think it could be good. Hmm. Um, Paul Reiser, Tate Donovan, because he's the ultimate shit weasel. You he's always just, use him. Yeah. He's my favorite. I mean, the yeah. shit weasel character. He's just a great shit weasel. Hmm. Um, Jeanette Gold. I went with Adrian Palicki, who was uh, Tyra from Friday Night Lights, and uh, I think she's Wonder Woman in the upcoming. If maybe oh, okay, is that still happening? Wouldn't that, that, ups- that almost would upstage uh, Chastain, though, I think. That'd Maybe. Be That'd be tough. She's a tough chick. She's a tough chick. Uh, and then I'm going to steal John Reese Myers from you. I thought oh, about okay. Fastman. I thought about Oldman, but I like Reese Myers a lot in that. So oh I think that's gosh, very good. I just think it would be really so interesting. good. I think I like that a lot. All right. I got to say, I won this one, guys. I'm sorry. I'm a self, <laughs> self-claimed winner. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley for Bishop. Solid. He's creepy. Very good. He's smart. Uh, I went with Michelle Rodriguez for Jeanette Gold because the whole time I was watching it, I was like, "This is Michelle Rodriguez thirty years ago." And Cameron mm-hmm. was like, "Let me just make Avatar and put yeah, Michelle Rodriguez." Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. that's uh, a great point. <laughs> Paul Reeser. I went Patrick Dempsey. That's a great shit weasel. Like, in, fantastic. In Transformers. He does it. He's just the ultimate shit weasel. Yeah. Uh, Bill Paxton. I went Matt Damon. And the reason I went mm. Matt Damon is because. I don't know if you guys saw the new picture that came out yesterday of him on Born Set. The dude's still shredded enough to be a Marine. Yeah. But if you've seen The Departed, and he's in the elevator at the end, yeah. and if you've seen Save It Private Ryan when he's crying on the bridge while everyone else is fighting, he is the ultimate bitch. In the elevator, he's like, just fucking, just fucking kill me. Just fucking kill me. You know, like, he's like, I am killing you. And then obviously yeah. he doesn't. But, yeah. um, mm. okay, uh, Michael Bean, Taylor Kitsch. He's rugged. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's becoming that leading man. Yeah. But he's not. He's like that same role filling leading man. Yeah, you know, like he wasn't True Detective. And then Sigourney Weaver, my girl Charlize Theron, gotta go with her. She's really good. She's strong. She's a great actress. She she can do the action thing, and she Fury Road is yeah. Again, exactly. Prometheus. She got she got thrown into an alien movie absolutely as a, as a bitch, as a strong woman. <laughs> um, all right. So before we discuss which category we think Alien fits into, and before we give away a mug. Um, Ryan, we want to talk to you a little bit about your film. You have a movie yes. coming out. We have a film coming out called Trace. Uh, so we talked a little bit about this on the last episode, but we're closer to release now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some we have some key art here we can show. Yeah, that's um, the DVD box. Mm-hmm. There is a trailer that's not out yet that is premiering in October, if I'm o- not mistaken. October 5th it will be out. October 5th. Uh, you guys have seen it. It is creepy as hell. Awesome I trailer. love horror movies. I love horror movies. I cannot wait to watch this movie. So tell us again for the audience, in case they missed the last episode, um, how did this movie come to be and, uh, and, and what, where can we expect to see it? Well, it's going to be uh, everywhere there's a red box uh, will we'll carry the film, and that's we're really excited about that. That will be out uh, at the end of October, so I believe it's October 27th. I'm pretty sure of that. And then everywhere starting uh, November 3rd uh, of this year. Okay. Yeah. iTunes, Netflix, who are everywhere. So what's so, what's yeah. the story a little bit? Can you tell us a little bit about the movie? Break it down. Break it down. Um, classic rom com. Classic rom com. <laughs> some uh, death and some black. It's a it's a it's sort of based around the idea of electronic voice phenomenon EVP. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the idea that uh, a group of friends uh, inadvertently contact uh, a, a, a parallel reality. Okay. So there's a sort of quantum physics quality to it. And this thing is tr- is now attached itself in a in a way that can transmit itself into our world, and it's building into coming into our world. But there's a couple big twists which I won't mention. Okay, right? so that gives you some idea. I re- what I really liked about the trailer is it, it reminded me of when I was a kid or younger, uh, 
and the Mothman prophecies had come out. Yeah. And that was when they'd first started to really use sound in that, like, that, like, creepy recorded sound. Mothman Prophecies is, I think, one of the great underrated films. Interesting. I, I, I never watched it. Uh, I love it. I actually, it was required viewing for a few of the people that worked on Trace. Are and there any other, are there any other films that you, as an, as a horror movie director, you really drew great inspiration from? Ones that, like, maybe you grew up oh, watching? Oh, sure, sure. The Exorcist. That's a huge one for you. Um, yeah. Especially the elements of sound, which, yeah. are, which are key to this film. Yeah, obviously. sound is, is phenomenal in the trailer. Yeah. It's, we had some great sound people that did an amazing, immersive, uh, a sound mix on this. How long did it take you to shoot? Well, it was it was it was it's a low budget film, but uh, I don't you know most of the people who have seen it have said, "Gosh, it doesn't look very low budget." Because we had a really intense, amazing crew. Uh, we shot it in about two weeks. Okay, wow. yeah, cool, wow. Long post production because there's a lot of visual effects and sound stuff to it. But um, yeah, just we, the visual effects look like they, the ones that you see really quickly look like they turned out pretty great. Yeah, thank you, man. So, so anybody watching or listening, if they want to go find some more information about it now or when the trailer does go live, where should they look? Uh, Terror Films. It has a website, so just type in Terror Films. Um, you can go to my personal Facebook page, Ryan Brookhart, and there's information. There's also a Facebook page for Trace. And if people want to find you or any information you are sharing about it, they can follow you on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. Occasionally, I'm there. <laughs> at Ryan Brookhart, yes? Yeah, that's right, at Ryan Brookhart. H-A-R-T. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, H-A-R-T. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's finish off our, our discussion on Alien here. Which category? I mean, I think this is obvious, but... It's another one just like last week. Yeah. I mean, is there really even a conversation? There's three action movie categories, guys. There's totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, legitimately ridiculous. One is fall off a cliff of absurdity, like face off. One is dead set in the middle, which is like ridiculous meets awesome. It's sort of campy with a great performance in there. Right. Almost legit. And then totally legit is like all time classic. And for me, I guess there was a question that maybe this was the middle category. I don't know why. Just going, it's been a while since I'd seen it and it's not, it's. 100% 100% legitimate. I mean, nominated for seven, wins two. Yeah. Among the score, set design, costume design, leading actress. Yeah. This movie is by far totally legitimate. Totally yeah. legitimate and in a way reset the bar yeah. for this kind of film. I think that was that is not hyperbole at all. No. So we're all totally legit. Totally legit. Last but not least, guys, as promised, we are going to be giving away a mug to a person whose name I wrote down but I don't have here anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, wow. JLF, if I'm not mistaken, you are on our iTunes review page as the second reviewer. Yes. Um, there are 11 reviews on there. We randomly selected one. Hirsch, we love you. I have We're giving faith. away. We have more than one mug to give away. Don't worry. <laughs> we have worry. more than one mug to give away. I have faith you will get a mug soon. Soon but soon. But uh, unless I'm mistaken... At JLF or plus JLF or JLF yeah, the plus maybe. gave us the very nice review about uh, this being kind of like a sports center for action movies. Yes. Which is, that's not why we picked him. We just picked one, but it's but a it very just, nice review. Yes, because I'm an idiot and didn't write your name down and my phone is not near here to avoid radio frequency. So, uh, you should leave in the YouTube comments. No, that's public. You should... Uh, get a Twitter and DM one of us. Yes, Twitter and DM one of us your information and we will get that shipped out to you as soon as they arrive here. Um, we will be back next week to do... We will 90% be doing Die Hard. Yes. Unless, for some reason, Ben goes farther in the Ellen Generous Look Like <laughs> contest and is not here, that which we'll do a different movie. Highly likely I'll be here, but if I'm not, we'll do Die Hard another time. Probably Die Hard will be next Wednesday. Guys, one more time, if people want to find you, where can they find you? 
At Ryan Brookhart. We just said that. Absolutely. Literally just said that. You can find me at Andrew Guy on Twitter. Looking forward to it. And if you guys want to find me, you can find me at, at Ben Bateman Media. Twitter and Instagram. Do it. And uh, let us know what you think. We will see you guys next week. Boom. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 